So shout out to all the billionaires and the powers that be for uh, you know doing all the Super League shit. Uh, not because I care about the teams in question, but because you guys have fucked up my show flow. Thanks guys. And in the words of Public Enemies, Chuck D, bring the noise. On the 5th End Podcast Network, I am Charlie Taylor, and this is What's Good. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Hope you've all had a good week in the circumstances. Yeah, man, this is great. So here's how it went down. Here's how it's, here's how it's gonna go down, and uh, here's how it happened, basically, uh, how it went down. So um, I so the news of that ESL garbage uh, came through on Sunday. I came through, asked my boy Ryan to come through. Uh, for the show and I do have this coming up so this is a second segment but I just wanted to pose this as a disclaimer uh, so we recorded on Monday as you can imagine uh, it was very existential and you know talked about you know a lot of things as much as we could in the space of 20 minutes and then obviously in the next two days afterwards I'm recording on a Wednesday so throughout Tuesday and now Wednesday uh, is practically dead the, ho- the whole thing is pretty much dead and uh, that's that's just great. Shout out to Tony and Tiger because that's just great for me. Um, I have a <laughs> my my segment is antiquated in this in record time. So thanks guys, thank you to all the billionaires that are part of this initiative and have pussied out uh, with the weakest of source and have basically made this whole thing redundant. In my view, it's redundant, but I out of respect for Ryan and for what he said uh, during the segment, I am going to drop it regardless, uh, because he said some very good stuff that, you know, is obviously in response to the Super League announcement, but, uh, you know, some it's, it's all part of a bigger conversation um, that, it, that, has, that will exist uh, past the announcement of the ESL and all of that garbage. It's, there's a lot of uh, stuff on the outside that was worth talking about. So I'm going to drop it regardless, that's the second segment, uh, but apart from that, uh, it's been a solid week. <laughs> it's been a solid week. I'm suddenly got, I've suddenly got busy, uh, which is just how, I just love how life works. You're not busy and then you're busy, you know what I mean, it's just great, just love it, love love being randomly busy all of a sudden, um, so yeah man, it's, it's all clean on my end, can't complain, uh, but yeah man, this has just uh, been, a hectic, been a hectic week, I must say, uh, but we got a great show, uh, apart, from, uh, apart from the the bullshit going on with the ESL, but we're going to drop that regardless, uh, got two life, filming TV, and obviously a sport as you can imagine, let's just jump right in, four minutes before we begin, email to the IG, Discord link as well, all that, all that, all that in the full show notes, including the articles I will reference during this episode and will read out during this episode. Uh, please support the people that wrote them and give them a click and read for yourself. But without further ado, let the beat drop. And let's get into the show. Yeah, 
in a week where Raul Castro announced his resignation as head of the Communist Party of Cuba. Uh, global COVID-19 death surpa- surpa- surpasses, try and get that right, a reported 3 million. And this is what I'm talking about, guys. This is what I was talking about last week when it comes to, you know, the privileged side of the vaccinations. You know what I mean? We're, we're seeing everybody getting vaccinated here in the UK, in the US, Israel, I think Chile as well, getting decent numbers, right? Um, but, you know, it's a scramble pretty much everywhere else. and it's um, or, or it's just subpar uh, compared to what well, the country is in terms of, you know, just a, a privilege. But, um, yeah, yeah it, it's, the deaths are still going to, the deaths are still going to come. Um, so, you know, just keep a note of that. And I actually saw a tweet, uh, talking about how 2021 could actually be worse, uh, believe it or not, than 2020 in terms of like, you know, cases and deaths. Um, don't quote me on that, but I saw something around that, along those lines and I just found it mad fascinating. Um, so yeah, man, there's, there's, there's definitely a privilege element to all this. I'm not, I, I don't, if you, if you guys need to see that. And uh, take that into account, because, uh, you know, it's, it's all good that we're getting vaccinated over here in the UK. That's all great. But, um, you know, as it pertains to the rest of the world, this is it's pretty dire in some situations. Uh, NASA scientists successfully made the first ever controlled flight attempt on another planet. Obviously, on Mars, believe it or not. <laughs> uh, if you didn't know the country, uh, the country, the planet. Uh, you, this is great. Russia has amassed more than 100,000 troops near the Ukraine Ukraine border. I am sure there's nothing to worry about there. I'm sure nothing's going down. Uh, I'm sure it's just, uh, you know, just, just sightseeing, you know, just some sightseeing. You know, just, uh, just, uh, just, uh, just a hundred thousand person outing, you know what I mean? Just, you know, see the sights. And lastly, Chad, uh, Chad's president, Idris Deby, I'm hoping I say it right, uh, dies from injuries sustained during clashes with rebels in the northern part of the country over the weekend. Um, so, yeah, RIP to uh, President Debbie. And uh, we shall jump into our first uh, of two life topics, and we are talking about uh, the Derek Chauvin uh, trial. He has reached a verdict. He is guilty on all three counts. Uh, if I remember correctly, it's second-degree murder, third-degree murder, and second-degree manslaughter. <laughs> And uh, sentencing is obviously going to come soon, later down the line. Uh, but yeah, it's a landmark case in a lot of ways. And uh, but I feel like the reaction has been, you know, relatively muted in some in some cases, uh, which is understandable. And hopefully, I can portray that understandability. That's that's not a word for lack of a better phrase. Um, I got a good, I got a solid article coming through in a sec. But I just wanted to share this uh, uh, string of tweets from uh, uh, Ismat Sarah Mangler uh, for, via Twitter, who basically quoted uh, Dr. Jason Johnson, uh, who is a contributor to the Grio, uh, just a general commentator on I think MSB, MS, MSNBC, and also is a professor I think at Morgan State University. Um, so yeah, he 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 dropped some bars. He dropped some bars straight after this case. Uh, straight after the verdict came down, and I just wanted to read these uh, these particular quotes because I thought they were very powerful and uh, says it very succinctly. So the quote is: uh, "What this says to me is that in order to get a normal degree of justice in the in this country, that a black man has to be murdered on air, viewed by the entire world. There has to be there have to be a year's worth of protests and a phalanx, uh, is it phalanx or phalanx? I forget how I say it, uh, of other white." 
uh, police officers to tell one white officer that he was wrong in order to get one scintilla of justice. That doesn't make me feel happy. That doesn't make me feel satisfied. It makes me worried about what's going what's going to happen when these other officers are held on trial. It makes me upset all, all the more that we have uh, that we didn't have this for Breonna Taylor. It makes me more concerned about what's going to happen in the trial for Omar Darbury. So no, this is not a system working. This is a makeup call. This is the justice system trying to say, hey, this is one bad apple. That's how this is going to be interpreted. It's going to be this one bad apple, he got in trouble, yay, blah, blah, blah. And yet there are still going to be young black men and women across this country being shot today, tomorrow, and two weeks from now. Because unless we have some radical reform, there's no lesson learned. So that's a just a very succinct quote. Um, and I can easily end it there. But I'm going to give you a, a good, um, uh, some good words uh, again. Uh, from Miss Kelly Carter Jackson, uh, who is the uh, Kanafel, I think that's it, Kanafel Assistant Professor of human of the Humanities in the Department of Africana Studies at Wells at Wellesley College, and uh, she is also the author of Force and Freedom: Black Abolitionists and the Politics of Violence. This is via the Guardian, uh, and just a minor before I get into the the, the point about um. Uh, the point about uh, Jason, Dr. Jason Johnson said about uh, you know people getting shot literally today, tomorrow, and a few weeks after. Literally about um, at the same time this trial verdict came through, uh, there was also reports of uh, a 15-year-old girl getting clipped like in broad daylight by the police. Uh, I don't know the specifics to that, but I just saw like a little a couple of tweets uh, to it, and I was just like, wow like literally just the world keeps spinning literally the world keeps spinning is crazy uh but let's get into this cycle by uh, uh kelly Carr jackson right quick since last may the world has been waiting for justice for george floyd who was killed on the streets of minneapolis after trying to use a counterfeit 20 dollar bill at a convenience store today the jury found police officer derek chauvin guilty on all counts second degree murder third degree murder and second degree manslaughter it was an emotional verdict in what has in what has been an emotional year since his killing. How are we to receive this moment? This verdict has been a long time coming, and it's been a painful, difficult way. Many times I've had to remind people that it was Derek Chauvin who was on trial, not George Floyd. Over and over, people question Floyd's history, his drug use, and his actions. Anything that would uh, that would shift the blame for his own death away from Derek Chauvin. As W uh, as a just for the editors here, there's, there's uh, it's spelled Chauvin wrong, it's, it's, there's no U in it. Uh, as W.E.B. Du Bois said, uh, once wrote, quote, nothing in the world is easier in the United States than to accuse a black man of a crime, unquote. And that is still true today. Despite all we have gone through, despite all the protests, activism and calls for justice, we still see black people as criminals. Perhaps uh, the most arduous task of the prosecution was not to prove that Chauvin played a role in Floyd's death, but to prove that Floyd was in fact a human being. A deep-seated and pervasive culture of racism is to blame for the fact that his humanity was ever in question. As historians, the greatest opposition we can show white supremacy is to tell the truth. I have grown tired of politicians and pundits claiming that Chauvin was a bad apple or an anomaly. No. The truth is he is a mirror of white supremacy. The violence he committed was white supremacy in its purest form. For some, to mention this obvious fact is to be quote-unquote divisive. On Fox News, Tucker Carlson in issued a hateful diatribe about the trial in which he said that quote, no one on CNN actually cares about George Floyd now. What they care about is you and your role in the systemic racism that supposedly killed George Floyd, unquote. 
The purpose of speaking about racism, Carlson said, is to, quote, punish you and to change America, unquote. That he, that he said is, quote, why they are replaying that video of George Floyd dying on the sidewalk to remind you of all that, of all your, of your culpability in his death, unquote. Carlson goes on to say that, quote, if the Floyd Chauvin, brackets Chauvin trial, uh, he obviously says Floyd trial, ends in acquittal, there could be riots. We accept that as a fact of life in this country. No civilized country should accept that, but suddenly we do, unquote. Apparently, Carlson thinks a civilized country should accept black Americans being killed in broad daylight by police. Uh, Much as Carlson and his ilk would like us to keep silent about white supremacy, we cannot and will not. Uh, Since this trial began, three people a day have been killed by the police. Over half of these victims are black and Latino people. We will repeat over and over again uh, and over again until black people stop being murdered in the streets by police. This is the audacity of white supremacy. The white police officer could, in broad daylight, be uh, while being recorded among a gathering of witnesses, kneel on a black man's neck until he died. He kneeled despite the fact that Floyd told him he couldn't breathe, and he kept kneeling despite the fact that Floyd told him he was going to die. In this country, a black athlete like Colin Kaepernick can't peacefully kneel on the ground in protest while uh, without backlash. Yet. A white police officer can kneel on a black man's neck until he dies. The verdict doesn't take away from that fact. It's hard to know if Chauvin ever recognised Floyd's humanity. That's what made the weeks of questions and cross-examinations of witnesses that took place so so gruelling to watch. I watched Chauvin's body language throughout the trial. He always appeared indifferent. What notes was he taking? What, if any, testimony moved him to feel empathy? In the 9 minutes 29 seconds that Chauvin's knee was on Floyd's neck, all I saw was defiance on his part. He was a belligerent cop who was not going to be told how to do his job. Chauvin never exhibited remorse, but even if he did, remorse uh, remorse does nothing to further justice. Rendering Floyd's death as a series of unfortunate events does does nothing to alter violent outcomes for black people. Make no mistake, a conviction for Chauvin is not equivalent to a vaccine that will protect us from death and injury. A prison sentence will not protect black people from the violence of the police. Black men, women and children are still being killed by the police. There are no winners in this outcome. An acquittal is not justice. A conviction is not justice. In America, we have seen justice because justice is a system that fully recognises black humanity, and we are far from a justice system like that. The stakes of white supremacy do not start or end with this verdict. Floyd's family will never recover his life, love or laughter. Black Americans will not cease to be seen as threats and Chauvin will walk away as the exception and not the rule. And I think that's the imperative thing I feel that people need to understand when it comes to this uh, particular case and just the overall nature of it is the term justice and also the term accountability. This is accountability served. It is not justice served. There's, there's, there's a difference between the two. You know? Um, accountability is that. He should have been put in jail. He should be put under the jail. In my mind... And in, I guess, in the case that, in case of the court and the jury, in this case, mind as well, he should be in jail. He should be thrown under the jail. Okay, right? That's accountability. 
Accountability is the bare minimum. Justice is... I don't know. What 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 would you think? What what do you define justice in this case? Because again, this is accountability, right? And a lot of the time accountability is never served, right? So what is justice then? What is the what is the what is your definition of it? Cuz obviously there's a dictionary definition of justice, but there's there's, there's a there's a there's a personal definition to a lot of this. To there's a uh, a degree of interpretation that you can deliver as it pertains to how you think justice is served. Some people think Chauvin should die, right? I'm not that kind of person. I I but then again, I'm not part of uh, I'm not part of the family in this case. I don't I didn't know George Floyd personally. Maybe I'd feel different, you know. Uh, but in the case of where I'm standing right now, in the lens I have seen in the past year, I don't think Chauvin should die, right? That's kind of my baseline morals as it pertains to this kind of thing. But all of this is one case, and it won't change the entirety of America's police and justice system. Uh, this won't change anything. <laughs> Honestly, I... I uh, it's, it's a cyn- I think that's why people are very cynical about it. If people have, if you have the knowledge of that, and uh, you know, you can. And I'm not saying you can't be happy about this trial being, you know, uh, uh, being uh, the accountability being served, right? Of course, right? It's great. It's, it's good um, that this case has gone the way it should, right? But again, linking back to what J- Dr. Johnson said, the fact that they we had to have all of this. All of the all all of the, all of the stuff that's gone on in the past year, the work, the widespread, literally global protests in response to this one case and this one person, and people were still not exactly confident that he would actually would get convicted. Think about that. All of the stuff that's happened in this past year, and it was not open and shut as it pertains to the U.S. justice system and the history and the track record that the U.S. justice system has. That's crazy to think about. And another thing, this is only the one cop. The other cops are awaiting trial as well. He was obviously the main one because he's the dude that literally killed George Floyd. But the other cops that were surrounding him, the other cops that were with him, they're on trial as well. They're going to be on trial as well. Now, for the pe- for, for 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 so think of the fact that you know people were very hesitant, not hesitant, uh, very unsure that this case would go down the way it should should have, right? So people were people were not not exactly that confident that that uh, that he would actually. Uh, be put in jail for this, okay? So take that, and take of how much of a slam fucking dunk this case was, and this story is, and equate that to the other cops that didn't have the knee on the neck, but they were there. How do you think those trial those trials are gonna go? You're not confident, right? You can't be. So. 
this is just one case and uh, you know uh, I, I feel like I'm being a wet blanket but to be honest um, I feel like it's necessary because you know this is not this is this is uh, you know linking back to that Malcolm X quote that I, that I said that I uh, uttered when um, I had that one episode uh, last year in the summer you know knife in the back it's in there deep six inches eight inches whatever right you can't you can't you can't heal the wound until the knife is fully pulled out right so how what what do you class this as do you class this as pulling out the wound no pulling out the knife no of course not do you, do you is it moved two inches maybe you can you can have that opinion if you want but the knife's still there and it won't heal until the knife is out so what do you class as pulling the knife out? Again, I ask that question. So, I'll leave it there. Derek Chauvin's uh, under the jail. And, uh, yeah, accountability has been served. So we move on to sport, and uh, what else could we possibly talk about um, than, <laughs> than what's been going on with the football? Um, so for anybody who's been living under a rock, uh, well, we'll get into that, but um, for now, we'll uh, introduce, uh, we have uh, Central Source's own, uh, ISOS, Insurgent Source co-host, Ryan Gore coming through, what's good, Ryan? I'm wonderful. Sure you are. <laughs> Don't start off with the lies, all right? It's fine. It's okay. <laughs> this is funny to me because I'm just like so... I'm so like out of the caring stage of football. I'm just like... I'm just here for the memes, to be completely honest with you. I'm enjoying the memery, not going to lie. Uh, but it, it does really fascinate me, this whole topic, like just from purely, I don't know, just interest standpoint but uh mm. you know I, I feel like you and a lot of other people have been having a you know r.i.p football we mourn football and this entire concept <laughs> in the past 24 hours which is just amazing well the um, game's gone the game's gone charlie <laughs> 1867 to 2021 r.i.p <laughs> um <laughs> okay so for those that, uh, like I said, have been living under a rock uh, for the past since, uh, well, the initial exclusive uh, came through via the Times, Financial Times, uh, that was in around midday-ish, and then the actual genuine announcement came around around 11pm, midnight. They have a website now, which um, is just great. <laughs> it's like they've, cle- they've clearly been talking about this for a minute since they have a fucking website. Like, for, like not even not even like a Wix site or nothing. Like, full on, you know what I mean? Just a full on .com which is outstanding. Um, so if, yeah, it's this, uh, the Euro- European Super League, uh, the ESL uh, for short uh, featuring AC Milan, Arsenal, uh, Atletico, Chelsea, Barcelona, Inter Milan, Juventus, Liverpool, Man City, Man U, uh, Real Madrid and Tottenham Hotspur, <laughs> which is great. Um, they're going to have a uh, basically a replacement for Champions League, pretty much. Uh, the competition format goes as this: twenty participating clubs, 
15 founding clubs, qualifying mechanism for a further five teams, qualify annually based on achievements in the prior season, midweek fi- fixtures, which obviously kind of replaced the Champions League format, uh, with all participating clubs continuing to compete in their respective national leagues, which is obviously in the air at the moment, uh, preserving the traditional domestic match calendar, which remains at the heart of the club game. Uh, an August start, which with, with clubs participating in groups of 10, playing home and away fixtures with the top three in each group, automatically qualifying for the quarterfinals. Teams finishing fourth and fifth will then compete in a two-legged playoff for the remaining quarterfinal positions. A two-leg knockout format will be used for to reach the final at the end of May, which will be staged as a single fixture at a neutral venue, which uh, all in all sounds pretty much like a Champions League replacement. Um, UEFA has made several comments in the past day or so. Um, obviously, Premier League and certain other certain leagues have, uh, you know, uh, lamented or lambasted, that's the word, for uh, uh, this whole thing as a collective. Um, and uh, actually, on the back of this, actually, uh, I think you, uh, UEFA have already made, like, changes to the Champions League uh, itself, which is quite interesting and nobody's, <laughs> nobody's even mentioned which is kind of interesting but uh ryan you have the floor uh speak you can you can speak uh for the entire um football fan base so to speak you can have your gary neville moment and uh i will leave the stage to you where do you want to begin uh i want to start with what this fundamentally is which is a cash grab and obviously a lot of people would say you know football's been full of cash grab cash grabs for like 20 years probably plus yeah and uh yeah yeah football has in general if you look at the trends has been said heading in this direction but i wouldn't call it inevitable because there are people who have made decisions along the way it's not something that just accidentally happened it's something that people have decided to do um and that decision has um being to basically eliminate the idea of competition. It is an attack on competition, essentially. Mm-hmm. Because you have this league where 15 teams cannot be relegated. And the purpose of that, if you think about it, is just so the supremacy of certain teams, certain executives can be maintained. Their investments will forever reap reward and that's their win. That's what they. That's it. They've won. <laughs> that's what they wanted the entire time. Right. They wanted um, to eliminate the possibility of Leicester winning the league again. <laughs> that terrified them because it made them realize that their uh, their position at the top could actually go away. And that's the reason they hate football, and that's the reason we love football. Yeah. And so yeah, that's the main thing. That is, um, across the football world, people are looking down on elite football right now, kind of collapsing in on itself um, because of that thing. It's just a blatant, barely disguised, barely disguised a grab for money. Yeah. Um, an interesting side of that, uh, as you mentioned, is that, uh, you know, with Le- Leicester win the league, for example, uh, <laughs> like the league table now is pretty like the parry is not bad right so mm-hmm. um obviously uh man city's practically run away with the league so far and uh you know it's 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 the two manchester clubs and then like it's a complete free-for-all for like 
what, five, six other teams right now. Um, I haven't seen the league table recently. But yes, yeah, it's, it's, that's just a prem, right? And uh, obviously for the other leagues, and uh, it's worth noting that uh, uh, Munich, Dortmund, and uh, I think PSG as well have yep. uh, kind of declined uh, this uh, Super League, which is uh, interesting on the PSG side. I thought they'll be right in there, but <laughs> hey-ho. But um, yeah, it's, it's, it's very interesting for the two German clubs in in particular uh, because they are, you know, in some ways fan-owned. Uh, fan and obviously, uh, you know, clubs such as Chelsea, such as Man City, um, especially have, you know, gained obviously recent prominence in the past 20 years uh, due to oligarchy money. Um, I remember you uh, wrote, rec- uh, well, last year, um, talking about Eurocentrism in football, and I wanted you to kind of uh, give a uh, a summary of uh, that particular article you wrote. I'll throw in the full show notes because I find that obviously this and the concept of sports washing uh, that I have talked about, I don't know, like last, uh, I think two winners ago now, um, really, I guess, obviously culminate in this and has basically created like a uh, a flashpoint for uh, what is what is sport supposed to be in its essence? Because obviously, with football being the most populous populous sport uh, in the world, uh, is telling, and it makes a lot. It sets a precedent, I feel, for a lot of other uh, for a lot of other sports in terms of how they approach things. Um, mm. The, the laddering of league football especially is at threat here, obviously. So, um, mm. But we'll get into that in a second. Uh, I'll, I'll leave you to uh, summarise the uh, Eurocentrism point you made uh, last year. Yeah, yeah, I definitely want to get to that second point because it's a big part of it. But yeah, yeah. the Eurocentrism uh, piece was essentially about getting over the idea that Europe is inherently uh, elite, is inherently f- superior to other footballing countries, especially the top, what we call the top five leagues in Europe, which is your England, France, Germany, Italy, and one more I'm forgetting. Spain. But, Spain, thank you. But um, uh, it essentially comes from the idea of white supremacy, is what I made the link for in the piece. It comes from the idea of colonisation. It comes from the ridiculing of anything non-European, non-Western, yeah. non-Anglo. Um, and... That's the uh, idea that they, the Super League have employed. That's their marketing, essentially, is that uh, these teams inherently deserve this higher echelon in football, all football, world football, this extra payment, because they are inherently better than every team, every other team, essentially, which is absolute shit, because I'm an Arsenal fan. We drew 1-1 with Fulham yesterday. We we haven't beat Burnley this season. Yeah. We haven't managed to beat Burnley. Right. But I'm supposed to believe that 12th placed Arsenal are inherently deserving of being in the elite European competition. No, it doesn't work like that. It doesn't work. There's no entitlement in football. There's no entitlement in what I believe sport is, which is art, you know? Yep. So um, that's the big thing how it links to Eurocentrism. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um funny you say that in terms of uh, where Arsenal's at, obviously it's not about where they're placed it is where, well, 
it is where they're placed, but it's on a different table, right? Mm. So top, uh, I saw I saw a stat, uh, I saw a chart today of the like top fifteen, uh, I guess, highest grossing um, or just a uh, yeah, just highest valued uh, teams in the world. And apart from they're all in there, apart from AC Milan, who is out of the top fifteen, but. That kind of says it all right there. That it's not about actual performance from year to year or whatever. It's about where these clubs stand uh, in terms of world popularity, mm-hmm. uh, how much money they make year on year. Like, <laughs> like you ha- you have the, you have these teams that are make are still making bag loads of cash, but this but the. You know, some team, some of those teams haven't like won the league or, or, or had a, or have had a Champions League win ever or whatever. You know, it's just it, it doesn't it doesn't correlate. And obviously, that's kind of the point here, where this is obviously and like you said at the start, so openly based on greed, <laughs> and uh, it just uh, makes a, a, a fascinating. Uh, 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 argument overall and obviously bringing on to um the conversation about uh i guess uh uefa and fifa and how they've responded because uh they've made kind of an ultimatum in some ways because if this goes ahead and it seems like it is going ahead as of monday as we're recording um the world cup and euros are going to look very 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 different <laughs> um, in terms of who's actually going to be there like if mm. they actually make this uh promise that uh people uh, players that are on these teams and this is uh, no fault with the players on this side actually yeah. um so far we've had Mez Ozil and and Herrera make uh, public statements as we record and I'm sure many other people will so uh, as the days go by um but they won't they won't be able to play in the euros we won't see ronaldo in the euros we won't see harry kane alexander arnold uh wambisaka uh, mount etc etc we won't see them playing for england it's it that's that's literally what could possibly happen here and i'm wondering for the actual you know product that we're actually going to see is that to a detriment do you think um, to uh, FIFA and UEFA for the potential uh, outcomes of the Euros and the World Cup next year. Well, it's the it's the clash. Uh, I won't say of ideology, but the ideology of the Super League is that people just want to see the names. People just want to. They're, yeah. they're selling us the idea that all people want people love football because they want to see Messi play Ronaldo. So yeah. let's make Messi play Ronaldo every single week. Exactly. Um, and let's use right. Let's use right. You know. People call out greed. People will talk about how, oh, it's terrible at how greedy pe- these people are, but how long have the Tories been in charge of this country? You know, these are the same people. Come on. These are the same people who, <laughs> uh, who, who uh, ridiculed in Corbyn for saying fans should have more of a say of their football clubs. Uh-huh. For saying that every house should have broadband for free yep. because it's a, uh, a, a human right at this point. And Very look, much. You know. And I hate this reality where we're just going to be spending every week seeing Corbyn prove right, you know. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so who knows if the product is going to be diminished. Um, me, personally, I'm... I'll watch the Euros. 
no matter what, I think. Because, yeah. in a way, it's what these clubs deserve. And I don't want to punish everyone at the club. It's not Mikel Arteta's fault. It's not Aubameyang's fault. It's not Pepe's fault, you know? It's Kroenke. It's the owner of the club has decided to, like, for every single fan of the club that this is what they're going to do now. They have told us, you're coming here, <laughs> you know? You're coming over here. I know it inconveniences you as a fan. We know you don't like it at all, but get your cognitive dissonance back on. <laughs> Build it up. Block out all those things like you've been doing for the last 20 years because let's face it, to be a Chelsea fan, you have to have a pretty high cognitive dissonance. To yeah. be a Man City <laughs> fan, you need it pretty high as well. So yeah, you know, facts, they've asked facts. you to yeah. get it back on. Get your Sky Sports subscription back so you can <laughs> watch this football. Watch uh-huh. Neymar and Mbappe against... Bayern's defence every single week yeah so uh, I forgot the point I was originally making <laughs> <laughs> but yeah yeah um, it's interesting you mentioned Sky Sports so I wanted to get on that point as well because obviously uh, people in especially Sky Sports and BT Sport and all these you know pundits that we all know and uh, you know uh, uh, see on see on our screens and mm-hmm. radio whatever where, and podcasts if we listen to that um, talk about this in negative light but I wonder Ryan I I wonder will 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 Gary Neville and Mika Richards and all, all of those guys will, will they really hate this if Sky Sports gets the right to show this league, because <laughs> I did see, uh, I did see a tweet. I'm not sure whether it's uh, factual or not, but the uh, uh, Zone, which is a stupid name for that fucking uh, channel, whatever it is, it's D A N Z N. Like, how does that say the Zone to you? Yeah. Don't know why, but anyway, they they offer. They, I think they have like a they had a bid out there already for it. Uh, yeah. And some people think that's why people are getting so triggered over it in the media, in the sports media, because mm. they haven't got the rights to it. If that's the case, I just wonder whether their tune will change if they get the you know rights to show this shit. Right? You know what I mean? I just wonder if if that's the case, because as as a person who's into F one and f- is fully aware of the uh, of the garbage they come out with week on week now, uh, we're, mm. we're <laughs> Honey, you forgot your racism. Like uh, you forgot to yeah. end, you forgot to end racism before the race. Oh, whoops! Like, you know, it's just, it's 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 tragic. But like, as someone that fully knows knows about that, you know, they still have to cover a race. Like they still have mm-hmm. to, you know, talk about the all the race jargon, what happened in the race, mm-hmm. and asking questions to the uh, to the drivers and all that stuff. They have to continue doing it. Uh, they can't say fuck Saudi Arabia over here. <laughs> I'm just wondering whether if, like, you know, they get these contracts, if they, if they get it sorted and they're part of the deal, if they get this Super League money, because I think uh, I think I saw JP Morgan's going to mm-hmm. fund help fund this Super League as well. As another note, you know, I'm wondering whether they'll just suddenly I don't know lose their ability to speak critically <laughs> over it just a thought just a thought i mean that's right right there isn't it it's the, it's the ability to speak you know uh, they're employees they're employees you know at yeah. the end of the day i think they are genuinely against the european super league i believe that fully yeah right now they're allowed to be that publicly you know in a few months time they might not be allowed to be that publicly but i do genuinely think that these people care about clubs and these people care 
about fandom. They care about fans. They're footballers. They understand the emotional um, uh, relationship that fans have to footballers because they were fans before they were footballers. Mm-hmm. You know, who aren't fans of football are the people who are making money off football, who are making mm-hmm. the big bucks of football. So that's why we're in this situation. That's why we're in a situation where fans who have been fans of clubs for decades, me since I was born, I feel so disadvantaged of Arsenal right now. I have a massive Arsenal flag right here and I want to take it down. I don't feel happy with my club. I feel kind of disgusted. I feel mm-hmm. sick at the idea of like, what if I do turn my brain off and I just end up watching it? Like, yeah. I feel sick of that idea. Yeah. And it heart- breaks my heart to just leave. Because I've, br- I've built up this emotional connection my whole life because sport is a beautiful thing when it's, when it's what it's supposed to be. Yeah. And, you know, there are alternatives. Hopefully the Women's League... Be- remains untouched they have plans for it but that was thrown in as an afterthought so my i guess my hope is that they forget about it and just leave the wsl as it is because the wsl just had this historic amazing uh broadcast deal which is going to elevate women's football to another level it's never been at before yep um and it's going to make england probably the primary league rather than in in america yeah and that's a beautiful thing and it's deserved because so many amazing female footballers have been doing so much work over the years, and it's so progressive for the LGBTQ plus community too, in um, the women's game. Yep. And part of me just wants you to just keep all the Arsenal stuff and write the word women underneath all of it. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I wonder if, you know, at the end of the day, capitalism is a snake biting its own tail. Though it will consume and consume and consume until there's nothing to consume by itself. Yep. And maybe this is it. And maybe we as uh, viewers just return to the grassroots and we just watch our Sunday League team and that will force the money to go there and we yeah. can just build it back up again and do the exact same thing yeah. from... <laughs> and in 2,179, you know, we have the uh, ultra-European league and, like, you know, it's a new thing. But, um, yeah, right now I'm in a place where I feel horrible about my club and I I want to move... I want to take steps away. And I'm thankful football isn't anything I like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and uh, leaving it on a mildly, uh, potentially fun note, I would, I, I, I've said it to you and I said it to, I said it to Ben yesterday as we are recording DITD. I, I, for one, would love, 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 love to see uh, these, these teams uh, get like the Rangers treatment and just get sent to the lowest possible league and uh so we just see you know harry kane play against harry uh from down the road like i would i would love to see that uh i'm here for it and that that would just be fascinating and uh in a lot of ways but jesus uh, (laughs) this is yeah yeah, like like he said is kind of uh you know capitalism uh coming through and the inner self in some way and uh yeah man it's just (laughs) There's a lot to this, and it's uh, obviously going to progress. Um, and uh, yeah, it's just a lot of decisions uh, about to be made right now. And uh, mm. I, feel, I feel it's obviously only the beginning on that front. Uh, but for now, I'll thank you for coming through. Uh, go take a walk. You know what I mean? Just uh, <laughs> go, go to some tunes. You know what I mean? Just just decompress, and uh, you know you'll you'll, you'll 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 be okay. Yeah, I'll go eat some pasta. <laughs> okay, go do that. <laughs> Thanks, Ryan. <laughs> All right, man.
so move on to our second life topic and we are talking about facebook my fave <laughs> I, I just now that i'm off facebook and obviously i'm being a little uh, you know disingenuous with that statement because i'm off facebook the app but i'm also on instagram and whatsapp which is owned by facebook so i'm not completely out of the ecosystem yet i'm trying to wean myself off whatsapp but people keep fucking using it and i'm trying to get people off it like come on guys get signal please i beg you guys get signal um or yeah no but whatever uh and honestly instagram is pissing has been pissing me off recently like they're they're doing for an app that has been around for so long and is so and is so often used by a lot of people around the world like, it is so fucking buggy. It is stupid how buggy it is. IG stories are fucking shambles. Every day there is something different wrong with it. And it's always the same problems. It doesn't make fucking sense. Anyway, that's a that's diatribe aside. Um, this is about Facebook. That is, uh, they, they, they are hopping on the live audio train and also the podcast train. Um, so this is by Peter Kafka via uh, Recode by Vox. It's called Facebook Plans to go after uh, Clubhouse and podcasts with a suite of new audio products. So let's just jump right in and see where they're going to take it. Facebook wants you to start talking and listening on Facebook. Let's just stop right there. (laughs) Let's just stop right there. I am not talking... Again and again, I preface this with the fact on my IG and WhatsApp, right? (laughs) I do not want Facebook listening to me. Yeah, I mean, just, 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 that's an ominous fucking, that's an ominous fucking first, first sentence. Anyway, continuing on. Uh, sources say the social network is planning uh, to announce a series of products, some of which won't appear for some time, under the umbrella of quote-unquote social audio on Monday. Uh, they include Facebook's take on Clubhouse, the audio-only social network that grew rapidly last year, as well as a push into podcast discovery and distribution aided by Spotify. Hmm. I'm not sure about that. That's interesting. Uh, Facebook audio plans include, uh, this is bullet pointed, an audio-only version of Rooms, a video conferencing product it launched a year ago when the pandemic spurred massive adoption of Zoom. I remember that, and I have not used it at all. <laughs> and I don't know anybody that has. Continuing on. A clubhouse-like product that will let uh, groups of people listen to and interact with speakers on a virtual stage. Um, I actually recently got Twitter spaces, and I've been on a couple, uh, been listening to a couple, and I'm actually really enjoying it. I like the I like the framework, I like the vibe, um, some good stuff going on there. Um, there needs to be like a sort of directory kind of element to it, because uh, the only time you can find spaces is if you're following a person that is in that is hosting a space, if that makes any sense. So uh, you're not going to be able to discover, quote-unquote, you know, other other rooms or uh, other stages, whatever. So there needs to be some sort of directory element to that. But apart from that, solid product. Um, another one, a product that will let Facebook users record brief voice messages and post them into in their news feeds, like they currently can do with text, pictures, and videos. A podcast discovery product that will be connected with Spotify, which has invested heavily in podcasting over the past couple of years. It is unclear to me if Facebook intends to do more beyond uh, flagging podcasts for its users uh, and spending them to Spotify. Worth noting, Spotify and Facebook were first linked up 10 years ago when Facebook was pushing the idea of frictionless sharing. 
which was supposed to mean that your friends could see what you were reading, listening to, and watching. That fizzled out pretty fast. Uh, it's un- also unclear to me whether there, whether what the timeline. It is also unclear to me what the timeline is for the products Facebook will announce tomorrow. My sense is that the Rooms product, which again is a version of video conferencing without video, is most likely the candidate to go live right away. Sources said other products may not show up, even in beta form, until later this spring. All told, the announcements are meant to signal Mark Zuckerberg's belief that his users are ready to use voice and audio as a way to connect with each other. He's not hes not the only uh, big tech executive who's got an interesting idea recently. Twitter has already launched Spaces, it's taken on Clubhouse, and Apple is preparing a new subscription podcast service it may announce as early as Tuesday as part of its own product rollout. And uh, I've recently got emails about that, and that is happening. And apparently Spotify is might is a... Uh, Excuse me, uh, looking to do the same. So, um, I don't know, guys. Maybe paying for podcasts. I'm joking. <laughs> or, or am I? I don't know. I need to look into it. Uh, Zuckerberg is scheduled to talk technology uh, to technology journalist uh, Casey Newton on Monday, 1 p.m. Eastern this weekend. Uh, Newton wrote that he and Zuckerberg would discuss this wild transitional moment in tech and media, noticed, uh, noting that Facebook is increasingly interested in newsletters, live audio, and other technologies. Facebook offered this non-comment in response to a query from Recode, quote, We've been connecting people through audio and video technologies for many years and are always exploring new ways to improve experience for people, unquote. Reps of Spotify and Apple declined to comment. Uh, Zuckerberg has made his interest in Clubhouse, which launched at the beginning of the pandemic and enjoyed rapid growth throughout the past year, quite clear. He's shown up for multiple chats on the service, including one with Spotify CEO Daniel Ek. Clubhouse, meanwhile, has just announced a new funding round that values the company at $4 billion, just months after announcing a funding round that valued it at $1 billion. I find that valuation stuff mad weird. It's like, really? A $4 billion? $4 billion? Okay. At the same time, observers have speculated that Clubhouse is such a hype machine. Anyway, continue. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> kind of uh, at the same time, observ- observers have speculated that Clubhouse, which features ephemeral, I love that word, uh, real-time chats in front of audiences as big as 5,000 people, may have a hard time recapturing the buzz it had in 2020 and earlier this year, where much of the world was locked down and looked for distractions. The app's pay- uh, pace of downloads appear to have slowed, with its novelty and Clubhouse having it updated its user totals from February when it's said to have 10 million users. Um, from the people I know, uh, pe- well, funny enough, people have stopped um, asking me if I'm on Clubhouse. That's, I, I, judge that, uh, I judge that as something significant. Um, and I know a couple of people that have already dipped uh, from the whole thing <laughs> wholesale. So, yeah. Uh, don't know about that. That's just me. That's just my ecosystem. But I don't know. Uh, and if you want a thoughtful critique of Clubhouse's product challenges, I suggest you read this Twitter thread from tech investor Sean Puri. Uh, that's uh, on the article itself. If you want to go peep, go peep. On the other hand, Clubhouse is still limited to iPhone, uh, Apple iPhone users, and when it opens up to the world of Android users, st- that's still funny to me. Like, how have you still not got to Android yet? That's crazy to me. Like, that's absolutely crazy to me. Uh, that's why it's dead. That's why it's dead in water to me. Um, it's certainly too early to assess whether format club uh, whether the format Clubhouse pioneered a mix of live podcasting and virtual conference schmoozing is going to stick around. It also obviously uh, it was also obviously uh, way too early 
to figure out if Facebook's massive scale will help the platform dethrone Clubhouse, but Zuckerberg hasn't been shy about copying services or features built by compares or will-be compares. With mixed results, Facebook uh, successfully aped the Stories feature pioneered by Snapchat, for instance, but Rooms, its would-be Zoom compare never caught on, and Reels' attempt to clone TikTok's short-form video service is a work in progress that is stocked in large part with dot-dot-dot videos that first appeared on TikTok. Still to come, a Facebook-branded version of Substack's successful write-your-own-newsletter surface. Nice little jab right there from Kafka. Uh, So it's a little update here uh, on the article itself. Uh, Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg has announced a suite of audio products, including the Clubhouse Compare to push it in podcasting, etc., etc., uh, there's company in terms of roll out next three weeks and months. You can read about all of those below, etc., etc., etc. Okay, so I find this really interesting, um, just in general, um, and I, f- I find it, I find it, um, there's a, there's a playing with house money element to all this. You know what I mean? Like, you know, people ain't get, Facebook users that are there for Facebook, right? I don't think are going to use this in the same ways. I don't think they're going to use um, the the rooms feature. Or uh, even the story feature. You know, I know a couple of people that used the Facebook stories part. um, But even when I did it personally, it was only because I shared it on Instagram. And it had the ability to share to Facebook, uh, you know, instantly. um, Because obviously your account is linked on that front. So, and you know, that that was it. That was it. But I don't know. I I don't see people... I don't I don't see people, you know, getting into that on... Uh, in in that the stories on Facebook in that front, you know what I mean. But even with that said, Facebook still you know there still exists and it's still obviously you know ever present in a lot of people's lives. Um, so I I just I just find this is like a playing with house money kind of thing. Like they might as well jack everybody else's uh you know uh, flow. You know what I mean? Why not? What's the point? What is literally the point of being innovative for Facebook right now? What is the point of being original? Literally, it's a, it's a genuine question. What is the point that this, you know, what at this point, why bother? Um, your Facebook, your ever present in a lot of people's lives. Fuck it. Let's just uh, let's just copy Clubhouse and uh, and take all their people. Like, <laughs> fuck it. <laughs> Might as well, right? Yeah. So, I don't know. Um, but yeah, this is just another notch in the, uh, in the, uh, I don't know, I don't know what you want to call it, but like the mishmash of what social media is, like as, you know, obviously Twitter stole, uh, Twitter stole the stories bit and now doing fleets, which I could not give a fuck about, it is just extra space, it's just taking, <clears throat> I find fleets as, Twitter fleets has taken up space on my, on my, on my, uh, on my feed and it just annoys the fuck out of me seeing that. Like people use it, I know people use it, but I I've never clicked on one. I've never clicked on one. I don't seek to clip uh, to click on one. I don't see the point. I know the point, but I don't I don't care. I <laughs> just give me that old sweatshirt fucking video. Don't care. Don't care. Still don't care. Like just literally. So anyway, fuck Facebook always and forever. Um, and again, I say that with the full knowledge. I have Instagram or WhatsApp still. So hop on to our final topic, final segment, and it is film and TV, and it is all about uh, how Black Death, man, like Black Death, like 
when I say that, I mean people, black people dying in films. It is getting way and just and just suffering in some way, right? It's just it's getting a bit much. It's getting a bit much. Um, this is a great article by Greg Braxton via the LA Times. It's called Media Images of Black Death Come at a Cost, experts say, and many viewers are fed up. I am one of those viewers, and I know a lot of people, especially some African-American homies, um, that are literally tired of seeing this kind of shit. It's just, it's depressing. Um, and to me, I just wonder who the hell watches this as a form of entertainment. Like, you know, there's... there's some films aren't quote unquote entertaining, right? And that's that's fine, right? You know, some 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 films aren't there to make you laugh or you know to you know get you hype or whatever. Uh, not every not every film can be a superhero movie, right? And just you know have your brain turn off and just look at you know bright colors and you know f- cool action. Um, shout out to that Shang Chi Shang Chi trailer, if I'm saying that right. That actually looks boss. Not gonna lie, it looks heat. Um, but yeah, not every film can be that. You know, there's got to be some films that hit hard, but some of these are just so, are so surface level. Like it's just, it's just depressing. Like you, you literally just, there's no hidden story behind it anymore. It's just, it's just depressing. Um, so anyway, let's get into the, uh, let's get into the cycle. Uh, Robes and Taj Frazier, Frazier, uh, was uh, uneasy when he started seeing ads for Amazon's Them. A black family about a black family in the 1950s being terrorized by hostile white neighbors and supernatural forces. The USC professor, who is director of the Institute for Diversity and Empowerment, uh, IDEA, that's a great acronym. Um, is it acronym? Is that the word? Abbreviation, sorry. Uh, at USC Annenberg's uh, School of Communication, feared that the drama would contain disturbing images of violence and brutality toward black people, echoing scenes in watching, uh, HBO's Watchmen and Lovecraft Country, and other recent projects that mashed up the troubled history of racial turmoil in America with genre elements. Uh, his concerns were underscored when a social media uproar erupted soon after the show's premiere earlier this month. Numerous black viewers were outraged over its depictions of vicious racist violence, included, excuse me, uh, including the murder of a black infant while his mother was being raped and a scene showing a black couple being blinded with hot pokers and then burned to death? Fuck. Se- seriously? Really? Who who needs to see that? I'm sorry. Like, oh, oh, you know, oh, expression, all of that. But fuck. Really? Black infant while his mother's being... A murder of an infant while his mother's being raped. Like, really? Do we need that? Do, do we need that? Like, do we need that imagery? Fuck. I don't even know it was that bad. That's fucking crazy. Um, continuing on. In particular... Uh, these viewers and professional critics have denounced the series for exploiting black trauma uh, for profit. Uh, it's racial horror porn, uh, one wrote, and I'm done supporting any of it. Said Frazier, quote, I can certainly understand the negative reaction and why viewers uh, found the violence a bit excessive. Have we seen this kind of terrorization of other races on TV? Black, uh, people recognize there is a need and necessity to tell difficult stories to interrogate the sickness of this infrastructure of white supremacy. But people are also asking, at what cost, unquote. The Oscar-nominated live-action short, Two Distant Strangers, which premiered on Netflix the same day them arrived on Amazon Prime Video, has raised similar questions with its story of a young black man trapped in a Groundhog Day-style cycle with a white cop who delights in killing him over and over again. Like I saw the trailer for that and I was like, that can't be good. 
Like, I just, I just can't. You, you just, like, why have that? That's just depressing. Just a black, just Joey Badass getting clipped every time, every two minutes or whatever. Like, that's just, no. I'm not here for that. I, 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 I'm just not here for that. It's not the kind of shit I want to see. Anyway, uh, the growing furor, uh, furor, I, I never know how to say that right, um, around them, Two Distant Strangers, and other Hollywood projects containing horrific images of mayhem, maiming and murder directed at black people has given new life to the debate over what many have characterized as, as quote, black trauma porn, uh, where the brutalization of black bodies is, is presented as entertainment. The artists behind these projects have countered charges that the scenarios are gratuitous by saying the pain of racism should not be sugar-coated. Trevon Free, the writer and co-director of Two Distant Strangers, just to note, the other director's white, just to say, um, said a film man- filmmaker panel this week, quote, there's no way to avoid the fact that the reality of being black is often painful and often traumatic, uh, unquote. Them creator and executive producer Lil Marvin, is Lil Marvin, okay, um, has said his admittedly upsetting images are designed to convey the savagery of racism. Critics maintain that while they respect the right of the writers, directors, and producers to make strong artistic statements about race and racism, the ferocity of some of these images is more triggering than impactful. These images are particularly unsettling given the country's real-life reckoning with police brutality against unarmed black men, a divisive presidential election, and the resurgence of white supremacist groups. Them launched two days before the fatal shooting of 20-year-old Dante Wright, uh, by a police, white police officer during a traffic stop in Brooklyn Center, Minnesota. That incident came in the midst of nearby trial of Minneapolis police officer David Chauvin for the murder of George Floyd, during which witnesses have been overcome with emotion in recounting the trauma of watching the handcuffed Floyd die as Chauvin knelt on Floyd's neck. Sh- uh, scholars of pop culture say that showcasing black pain and suffering in entertainment can be psychologically and emotionally harmful, particularly for black audiences. Mark Anthony Neal, uh, chair of the African and, Ameri- African and African American Studies Department uh, at Duke University, said, quote, For white audiences, these projects offer an opportunity to see things they may not see on a regular basis, while for black folks, it's the same old, same old. People are really sensitive about raw uh, and raw about the graphicness of the violence because, for them, it's not entertainment, unquote. He added, quote, These directors... And uh, screenwriters are working in a world of fantasy. But the irony for black folks is that it's not a far cry from that fantastic world to the reality of how we live our lives. I can understand why they might want to push that away, unquote. Uh, Marianne Eriga, uh, the author of The Hollywood Jim Crow, The Pol- Racial Politics of the Movie Industry. That's a great title. I'm immediately into that. Uh, said, quote, People are right to say it's alarming and that they find it traumatic. The depiction of black death is permitted in mainstream media in a way that you don't see at all with other racial groups. I don't think it would be tolerated, unquote. Added Frazier, we're living and having to navigate the constant terrorization of black bodies and the destruction of our flesh, and then having to endure that while you think uh, you're watching Escapist Fair in your household, unquote. In defending their searing images, uh, Little, Marvin, and Free insist their intent is not to be offensive or exploitative. Well, of course, right? <laughs> of course they didn't mean to, but that's not the point, is it? Uh, them centers on the fictional Emery family who relocates to California during the Great Migration, where millions of black families fled the oppressive Jim Crow South. The series uses horror movie elements uh, 
horror movie elements grounded in the supernatural. A storytelling device Little Marvin said he wanted to use to reflect uh, America's racial unrest, but viewers, including Amazon executives, have been more shaken by the series' realistic depictions of violence. In one flashback, white marauders invade the fair... Oh, God, I don't even know if I want to read these. <laughs> just, just reading the rape one was just like fucking harrowing to me already just thinking about it in my flashback white marauders invade the family's north carolina home while lucky emery played by deborah ayurinde um is alone with her infant son as the men rape lucky a a female accomplice stuffs the baby in a pillowcase and whirls it over her head while chanting cat in a bag while she drops it to the ground okay okay all right i'm just gonna wow that's just I'm. I'm not even like honestly. Like I. I think I. Okay. Um. Let me. Let me. Let me skip a bit because um. I'm just. I, I'm. I'm just. Uh, if you guys want to read like you know the synopsis or whatever, go ahead. But I'm. I'm just not even into that. Like, honestly, like that's just. I. I. Don't, I don't need that in my life right now. Um. While this time, uh, you know, this is linked to the trainers. While this time loop formula is designed to condemn brief police brutality, the film, which references Eric Garner, Breonna Taylor, and other black victims of police violence, has been called more triggering than thought-provoking in its familiar contraction. But the buzz around *Toots and Strangers* and the scrutiny of it will likely increase if it receives an Oscar on Sunday in the, uh, from the uh, Academy of Motion Pictures, Arts and Sciences, uh, which has faced repeated criticism in the past for not recognising black filmmakers and filmmakers. <laughs> Imagine that. <laughs> they finally give a short film award to a black writer and director, but it's for, if it's for a film such as that. It's just great. Um, Riga compared the recent depictions of violence to the power uh, less of less brutal fare in the hit, hit 2017 film Get Out, which was written and directed by Jordan Peele. In that film, young black man gets wrapped up in a nightmare when he uh, discovers his parents' white girlfriend as soon as gender. As you guys know, if you haven't seen Get Out by now, it's good. Um, quote, there's a subtlety with that film, which is why it was so successful. This is this, I think this is where I come from on this front. Like, so let's read this quote. Um, people understood the message without the film having to show physical trauma, but in them, the message is being lost when you take it into that level of violence. I don't think you need to see brutalization happening in order to understand the brutality of racism or anti-blackness, unquote. I think that's me in a nutshell, honestly, when it comes to this. Like, you, you you can do this much more tastefully. You can do this much more... Like, I find it a bit lazy, to be honest, having, like, you know, thrown a fucking baby in a bag. And then watching blood seep out of it. That's just that's just too much. That's just way too much and not necessary. Like it, it really isn't necessary. Uh the presence of more black storytellers in mainstream media is cause for celebration, said Neil. But he stressed there is an uh, element to the increased opportunity that should be respected. Quote Black storytellers have a modicum that's an interesting word, modicum of freedom. Uh, is it modicum? I think it's modicum, actually, uh, freedom that they didn't have 20 years ago or even five years ago. Uh, he said uh, there's responsibility that comes with that. Uh, he said all these things are not documentaries. There is an element of entertainment and there should be a way in which we always see the fantasy. And that's very different from the work of documentarian, um, excuse me, uh, who is trying to capture what really happened. With greater access and greater influence, folks just have to be a little bit more, a little more responsible. <laughs> And yeah, I think that's just yeah. I, I think the quote the um, uh, uh, where is it uh, a riga a riga put just um you know people understood the message of get out without the film having to be you know physically traumatic like it's not it wasn't physically traumatic it was um you know it was a uh, it was a bit you know 
trippy, right? And that's kind of the, and I'm kind of pro- probably being soft um, in that description. Uh, I'm sure people have better words for it to describe it out. But, you know, it was great because it was subtle. Like, this has, these these two film, uh, this TV show and film has zero subtlety. There's no, there's, the message is already there. Like, the message is literally, you, you watch half an, you watch the short film, or you watch half an hour of them, and you've you've got the premise. You've literally got the premise, you've got the message, you've got it all. Why would you put yourself through any more? Like, what, what uh, for, in the case of them, obviously, um, Two Strangers is a short film, so, you know. But I guess, um you know, from the first death, and then the, the fact that he's replaying it, like, do you need to see the rest of the film? Do, do you need, like, what is the message th- at the end of the film, and is it different from the... Uh, from the start of it, I would hazard a guess to say no, because um, I haven't seen it, and I'd rather not see it, and I don't want to see them at all. Just from fucking reading these uh, fucking uh, descriptions of it, it's fucking harrowing. To be honest, it is it, seriously off-putting. Um, I don't, I don't think anybody needs that, and nobody else is having that kind of pain put onto them in this manner. Why people ain't seeing their ain't seeing themselves being fucking bit like fucking throw, their babies being thrown around in sacks? Are you fucking mad? And you know neither are Latino, Latins, or or Asians in America. I don't think they're seeing this kind of brutality to themselves. They're not being, and this is and this is to other this is black filmmakers doing this. This ain't even white people doing this. Except there is a white co-director, like I said, to strangers. But you know what I mean, like. Why? Why are black people showing black people this? Like, it's no, no, it's not necessary. And I want to be super specific with that necessary, not necessary bit, right? The 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 in-your-face violence is not necessary. The messaging is always welcome, right? If you wanna, if you wanna send these messages about you know stop killing black people, etc., etc. I am here for it, but fuck me, you have to do it in a better, tasteful way. Not to have a fucking, ah, having someone's eyes poked out. Having a baby being dead whilst the mother's being raped, that's not necessary. Who's here for that? Who is here for that? That's just grim. I'm trying not to leave this episode on such a shit note, but fuck... That's just wrong. That's just that's just grim. That's gross. It's extremely gross. And I hope these I hope these pe- uh, two pieces of work, especially, just get fucking roasted to shit. Because that's just grim. There's no need for it. There is absolutely zero need for it. I, I'm here for I'm here for hard hard hitting stuff. I am here for it. Okay. I am here for hard hitting works. But that is just not it. That is not it for me. That's way too overboard. There is no need for that. Zero. Zero need to to depict that kind of shit. That kind of violence. And I'm not squeamish. Right? That's not the point here. Uh, I'm just not here for, you know, this racial commentary being wrapped up in some fucking super graphic... Like, Jesus Christ. No, no need for that. No need for that. You can be more subtle. You can be more artful with it. Like, it's just... There's no need for that. There's no need for it. And just improve your messaging, man. 
Like prove not just improving the messaging, improve the packaging around it. Like at least get out with subtle. Like at least you can, you know, at least there's some Easter eggs there. Like the one 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 screenshot I saw from Two Distant Strangers was like uh, seeing Joey Badass's body, and the blood spill was the shape of Africa. What the fuck is that? What are you doing with that? What what what? Are you stupid? Don't piss me off. Alright, let's finish there. Ladies and gentlemen, from the fifth end podcast, this has been what's good. Hope you enjoyed this episode. Intro music has been too much, too much by Vanilla. Shout out to Chop Breakers for the ability to use that track. You can find both of their uh, links in the full show notes. Shout out to Nappy Hire for the use of Charismatic for the interlude. Uh, you can find his site in the full show notes as well. And with that said, hope you all have a good week. I should always try and do the same. But until the next time, take it easy. Ladies and gentlemen.